Wallace. I'm the managing partner of Florida Funders, and welcome to Florida Funders Angel Investing in Florida podcast. For those of you who are new to our podcast, Florida Funders is a hybrid between a venture capital fund and a crowdfunding platform geo-targeted on investing in early stage tech companies in Florida. Our goal is to transform Florida from sunshine state to startup state, as we like to say. At Florida Funders, we're on a mission. The mission is to make Florida as known for technology and innovation as we are today for tourism and strawberries or oranges, pick your fruit. We're on a mission to keep our best and brightest entrepreneurs here in Florida to start their companies, like Andrew, and we'll get to Andrew in a second, instead of having them leave to go to Silicon Valley or New York or Austin or wherever. And we're on a mission to create the next generation of great breakout tech companies here in Florida, so that when our kids graduate from college, they have meaningful jobs, meaningful career opportunities to come back to. We're a small team of really former entrepreneurs, angel investors, and uh, venture capitalists, all with a history of pretty successful exits. We're also a crowd of over 1,300 accredited investors who are focused on changing Florida's tech ecosystem. So we have a really exciting show today. I'm, I'm really honored. Our guest speakers, we have Alexis Ohanian, the co-founder of Reddit, a wildly popular social news platform, as well as the co-founder of Initialized Capital, a venture capital firm based in San Francisco, over 500 million raised, mm-hmm. already with several unicorns under your belt, mm-hmm. including Instacart, Coinbase, and Opendoor. And also, another, our other special guest is Andrew Parker. Andrew is the founder and CEO of a really exciting Florida-based tech startup called Papa, and you're going to learn more about Papa here very shortly. And Papa is one of Alexis's investments in portfolio companies. One of his favorite investments. Yeah. Yeah. You're not supposed to pick a favorite, <laughs> but I did. It's like children. Right? <laughs> yeah, but they all know. <laughs> right? Don't, don't they know? And get, I, I've, I've been the only child, so I don't know. Oh, I have four brothers. We know. You know who the favorite is. I won't is. say who it is, but he's sitting right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> you see? And you know, it's unspoken. Andrew is my favorite. Of all the Florida startups we've invested yeah. in. Oh, nice. Of which there's only one. <laughs> We're going to get to more of that. So, like, so let's start. Tell us about your background and how you got started in investing. You know what? I, I lucked out. In 06, a company called Condé Nast decided to pay us way too much money for 16 months worth of work, which is what I thought when they gave us uh, $10 million for Reddit. It turns out that was a great deal for them. Yeah. The good news is I got a second bite at the apple. Uh, you know, Reddit went independent, and then I was able to, to help lead the turnaround a few years back. But that first sale let me start angel investing. And at the time, I was just writing checks to, to friends of mine, other people in tech who I thought had good ideas. And Gary Tan was also doing the same thing. He's now my co-founder at Initialized. And then um, we were having a good run doing that. And someone said, hey, why don't you take my money and invest it? And, and then you can invest even more money. We thought, oh, that's a great idea. And that's really how Initialized got started. But it did not really get formalized until about three years ago when we, we decided, all right, let's build a team. Let's raise institutional funding. Let's really build this into a franchise. Now we get to do this for some really great you know, endowments and really great places. Um, and we get to write meaningful checks into companies and lead seed rounds where I think in the past we weren't able to. And now we can deploy the kind of capital that says to founders, look, Andrew, don't talk to anybody else. Like, <laughs> we believe here's a bunch of money, use it to, to round up a couple of the other good strategics. But like we have the confidence and the conviction to say, no, no, we, we believe in you. We believe in this business, even though it's got this, this sort of cutesy name, Papa, like what's the story here? elder tech. This is not some like sexy consumer app that every teenager is using, Yeah, but it's really, really valuable and really, really compelling. It's a great gig. It's, it's a really great job. Good. 
Andrew, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background and how you came about to start Papa. Uh, sure, I'm a founder and CEO of Papa. I started the idea originally to support my grandfather, who was my Papa, which is where the name came from. It's also people assisting people aging, which is kind of our fun backstory there. It was originally to support him, who didn't need home care, but was lonely and isolated and needed support. And I just thought it'd be interesting and frankly more fun for him to spend time with a young, fun, energetic college student. So I tested that out as not a business idea, but as a you know, way to resolve a personal issue. And he absolutely loved it, which was pretty surprising to me. This guy didn't love much, let alone technology or, or humans or anything. But uh, for some reason, this just naturally <laughs> broke down the barrier and tested out with a couple of their friends. And I left uh, another Florida startup, NB Live, a company my father started to, to start Papa about two and a half years ago. So it's grown a lot since then. And it's fortunate to, uh, to work with Alexis. Great. Well, we're going to get back to you. I want to hear a lot more about that. I know uh, in your background, Alexis, mm-hmm. you Y Combinator comes in there. And yeah. Wanted to kind of get your perspective, and I think you're a Y Combinator graduate, also, right? Correct. I'd like to get your perspective on Y Combinator, accelerators, incubators, your thoughts on all that, from an investor standpoint. Well, look, they, they took a big chance on both of us. Uh, well, they certainly took a big chance on me because we were in the first ever batch in 2005. So I oh, just graduated from I didn't know that. That's so cool. I did not know anything about stars. We were a couple of bumpkins from Virginia, and they took a chance. And Jessica Livingston, actually, in particular, initially rejected. And Jessica, the next morning, realized they made a terrible decision and invited us back into the program. And said, look, we never rejected you yesterday. Had a change of heart. We want you in. And we didn't even have an idea. We, oh we, they had rejected <laughs> our original idea. Then when they came, they came around and said, look, we'll let you in just come up with something else and make sure it solves your problem every morning. Make it something that's indispensable to your life and you'll figure it out. So I would not have a career were not for Jessica Livingston and Y Combinator. So that has to be said. That said, I think when founders overemphasize or or think that an accelerator or an incubator is going to solve all their problems and help make them successful founders, they will probably fail. Because it won't do that. It's not the silver bullet. It is not. There are no silver bullets in this business in entrepreneurship. And so, I mean, now, would I have been successful without YC? I'd like to think so, but probably not. Would Andrew? Yeah, actually, I think. (laughs) Because of a deep domain expertise that, like, blew all of us away. Because looking at this space, as massive a sector as it is, right? 10,000 boomers retiring every day. So much money being poured into it. The average VC, the average kid in Silicon Valley is not thinking about it, is not in touch with it, does not understand all the intricacies of it. And when you find a founder with domain expertise like that, it's like they're pulling back a curtain on an amazing opportunity that was in front of you the whole damn time. You just didn't know there was a curtain there. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I always like to ask investors is, you know, Jockey Horse, how important is the founder? Mm-hmm. And did you know as soon as you met Andrew, hey, this guy's... Wait, are you the jockey or the horse? That I don't know. What is that? Is the, <laughs> You're the jockey. The horse is the idea. The I think. <laughs> that okay, got it. Um, or Andrew's the jockey. I don't know enough. I mean, I'm really, my grandfather would be really disappointed in me right now because he was a big, or he is a big horse racing fan. So I don't know. I'm going to leave the analogy aside because I'm not sure what really the horse does versus the jockey in horse <laughs> racing. But it's a massive, massive part of it. And so. How did you guys meet? How was, it was at what was YC Demo Day? Yeah, right. yeah. So we have a YC Demo Day over two days, and Sitchin Missile as was uh, alumni. They go to the alumni day, which is 
Hide your secrets. Wait, did we meet that day? We met the next day. The next day, yeah. Yeah, and they actually had this like mafia table set up, and I'm like, are you guys going to invest in me or kill me? <laughs> so there's another horse yeah, there's joke there's in there somewhere. Yeah, but um, that was a fun experience, actually. I actually had no idea you were the founder of Reddit at the time, and I actually never used Reddit to this day. But yeah. maybe one day. I went with the jockey in that case. No, it was I guess. so good. It was so good because I, that's right, because you told me afterwards, and you're like, yes, yeah, someone told me later that you mattered or some kind of a big deal for some Reddit thing. But I just thought your shirt was cool. You had like the shirt on with like a Colbert shirt on. I believe. Oh, it was probably yeah, it was probably laundry day, and I was repping my late night with Colbert. It's the best, the, <laughs> the very best part of going on the show is the swag bag. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize at the time that was world your episode. Episode. I just yeah. thought you were like a fanboy. <laughs> also true. Also a fanboy. But but it helped because you were just there to pitch your startup, didn't care, weren't phased by anything else. And like I said, it's a rare thing to see a founder who is able to talk so deliberately and thoughtfully and without bullshit about an industry that we know is super valuable, but is really opaque to an outsider. You mm -hmm. just, I mean, it's like staring at you, you know it's a big deal, you know it's socially important, but you can't wrap your head around it because you've never experienced it. Um, yeah. But if you've lived it like he has, then you're, you're learning something. That's... That's actually one of my favorite moments as an investor is when I should have pulled up my notes from that meeting because I could really blow you with what I was thinking. But I think what I was thinking <coughs> was I was learning new things about the industry. Anytime you can get an investor, because we like to think, right? We like to think we're pretty smart. We've seen a lot of shit. We know a lot of shit. So anytime you can get an investor thinking, oh, wow, I am learning something new about something really, really important. Like I just learned a secret you get excited. You start leaning in and, and taking more notes. I'll say every time I talk to Alexis, he takes notes, which I've always been pretty excited about because I'm like, you know what? This guy really wants to know what I'm talking about and learn what I'm, what I, what I know. And then of course, vice versa. I think white commentator helped us for sure. I don't want to say we wouldn't have been a successful company, but definitely would not have gotten access to venture capital in Silicon Valley the way we did. So I don't think we would have been able to get the hyper growth and the, the money behind us that we have now uh, without white commentator. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. You, you've done a great job raising money, obviously, not only from Initialize, but also from the Melinda Gates Fund. You've raised how much so far? We raised $13.5 million. We raised $10 million about four months ago. Congratulations. That's awesome. So, And you've got some great press, too. I saw TechCrunch, Forbes, Washington Post. Today Show. Today Show. What came first? And talk to us about both of uh, those processes. If I'm recalling correctly, the first time we were ever in the news was actually from a local news uh, from the Herald. And yes. then I actually became friendly with a Forbes contributor, and then we got that out there. And that was actually during Y Combinator. Our story is very, you know, lovable. Yeah, very to talk about. Yeah. And then now yeah. we're getting a lot of press because uh, it's something that the health plans want to talk about. And we actually only have used one PR team ever for just the one part of that process. Yeah. And so just really the story and the fact that it touches everyone's lives. I mean, in this room, probably half of us are affected by older adults and loneliness in some capacity. Did most of that press come before the fundraising? It's just been continuous. As of recent, a lot of the press came because we've announced partnerships with some of the largest health plans in the country, like Aetna Humana, for example. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's free to older adults, which is also great. I mean, we're doing well by doing good. So it's great to be able to provide a service. You're getting college kids paid, but also offering a benefit to older adults for completely free paid by their insurance company. And so the insurance companies are the driving force behind the current press because they're trying to talk about the fact that they're offering this benefit which is important and helpful to, to their members. I saw you expanded uh, a lot geographically. 
Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, so today we're in 16 states. We'll be in almost every state in 2020. We actually have, went to London. I don't know if I told you that to see no. if the opportunity there. They do have a minister of loneliness. Just really? Like, the whole yeah, in British fashion. Calling that's, exactly. that's, that's a dire job. Boris Johnson? <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm in that process. But, you know, I think it affects everyone. And, you know, we've been uh, able to grow throughout the U.S., mainly because health plans want us to go there. And so that's what drives us to go to new markets. You know, we're in California because of alignment health plan. We're in uh, Michigan because of priority health plan, for example. I want to switch back to you, Alexis. Yeah. So you do a lot of investing in... Silicon Valley. I'm also a Floridian. I know. That's clear. where I'm going here. Yeah. yeah. So oh, he's going to show you the license. Very proud. Yeah. <laughs> so you're Floridian. Yeah. You have one investment in, in Florida. Yeah. Are you looking at others? What do you think of the deal flow here? Investments am, versus California. Cover my address. You actually have the outdated license. That's yeah. like a rare. Yeah. And, it's, and it's it's a little it's seen better days. Yeah. Uh, but still one piece. That's good for IRS purposes. Just yeah. <laughs> it, okay. That does not hurt. <laughs> but the reality is. Well, okay. Admittedly, right. My wife has lived here for a very long time and I like seeing her and my child. So practically speaking, Florida, but the reality is there is a, and I'm, and I'm hoping, I mean, we are, we're doing an event tonight at uh, WeWork. It's actually this WeWork. Right? It's actually another WeWork. It's another blocks away. There are WeWorks everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but at another WeWork, we're doing an event. We're doing a little Q and A for uh, engineering and product folks and just tech folks here in the industry, here in Miami, because cool. There is such an opportunity. This is such a delightful place to live. Tax benefits aside, it's a really fun place to live. And talent is, I think, growing more and more weary of the cost of living of places, certainly like San Francisco, Mm -hmm. but also even New York and L.A. now. And I think secondary cities like Miami, I know people would be offended to think of Miami as a secondary city, but in tech, it is now have a huge opportunity. And I think if we can have a few great beacons like Papa, that will be the self-fulfilling prophecy because it'll attract great talent. And that talent will do well and hopefully make lots of money so they can start investing. Yeah. And that's how these ecosystems get started. But I'm always bugging this guy for intros to founders and CEOs that he meets who are in the area just because I want more excuses to hang out with founders whenever I'm home. But also because I think you know the way that San Francisco evolves in the next decade is actually by sending so many of its best and brightest elsewhere and convincing other founders to not come to SF, but instead to stay in Florida or stay wherever they are. And it's, it's an opportunity because there are industries like this that I think would get overlooked by a founder in the Valley because, you know, <laughs> there's enough jokes about Florida and retirees that make it very obvious <laughs> that, like this state has so much of its economy dependent on supporting this community. Yeah. And who better to solve the problems than people who are exposed to it every single day? Well, you know, Florida funders, that's what we're all about. Mm-hmm. You know, we're really trying to change the state. And you might know this, that we're up to, I think we're up to eight or so unicorns. So Chewy.com yes. story here, no yes. before in Tampa, Jeff Smarter, Park Jockey, just got a soft bank investment. They're over a billion so, moving and grooving. Fanatics. Fanatics, another soft fanatics. And then Pop okay. will be next. And then Pop will be right. next. Oh, what, what's the most meaningful thing that Initialize could do for Florida Tech? What, what have you seen CEOs like Andrew do effectively to start building that, that hype and that energy? So, we invest early. Yeah. Right? We put it, our average check size is about a million dollars. So, where we see Initialize fitting in is at Series A. Mm-hmm. There are not a lot of Series A investors. Well, no, Series A firm. All right, so we have to we have to raise a Series A fund. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I? We're only pre-seeded seed. <laughs> it's okay. What's your average check size? 
2.5. Okay. That's Browns. a series A in Miami. Yeah, <laughs> I know. C Brown's in San Francisco right now. That. Yeah. yeah that's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so we'll do a Miami Series A. <laughs> you know, so last year, 2018, you probably know this, venture capital invested in the United States. High water, the new record, $130 billion. Mm. Had to go back to 99. That record stood since the dot-com mm. boom bust. Yeah. So $130 billion, Florida, third largest state. Third largest state, not only in terms of population, but also in terms of accredited investors. Mm. We got less than 2% of that. Yeah. So that's a lot of investing. And that's what we're trying to do for foreign funders. We're trying to activate those investors. We get them in early and then guys add to them. And that's how we move that deal, right? What tech do you get? You see coming down the road, both of you, on in terms of technology that you like from an investment standpoint, AI, AI or AD or, or, or trends like elderly aging population. What do you, from an investor standpoint, what do you see? What do you think? Oh, elder tech is so real. I mean, I we I, I was thinking about this like a year ago, and it's great because founders like Andrew just make me look really prescient. Cause like I get to go on TV talking about this stuff and everyone's like, wow, elder tech, how did he know? And, <laughs> and the reality is like, you give him credit. Every you time. talk never. But the case studies, the examples are, are they're easy because we are there investing at the earliest days when these founders are actually building what the future will look like. So then when it's been a few years, we can see the trend lines and then we get to say, oh, this is what's going to come. And then it happens because we work with the founders who are building that future. And in the next five years, you look like a profit. But it's it's just because you get to be early enough for the people actually solving these problems, which is why I want to know, Andrew, where should we be looking next? Yeah, I mean, uh, we look at mainly Papa. We think elder tech is interesting, and I think you don't always solve it specifically with technology, but maybe how you optimize and organize around it, leveraging technology. So Papa generally... People are using our 1-800 number. We have a call center around the corner of 40 people that are answering phones. But it's the tech they use to drive the logistics, to connect to the college kids that are Papa Pals, to really make the whole thing work. And it's the secret sauce of it. So I think it's thinking broader, but I'm definitely mostly thinking about Papa. Well, this is what's interesting, right? We do have a lot of investments in AI, self-driving car companies like Cruise or Standard Cognition for cashless self-checkout. But there is something irreplaceable about human connection and empathy and so as advanced as AI will get, the affable, caring college kid, Papa Pal, is irreplaceable. And it's exciting to see, even when all this automation continues to, because it's coming, continues to, to grow and affect us, sure. there are new entire fields that are being created that could not exist before, but now can exist because of software to help you know make it easy to get to your location and whatnot, but still require humans. Like actually deeply require humans. And, and I look at the world now very simply as the jobs that will either be automatable, that software will do better, cheaper, faster, those are the robots, or the jobs that humans will still always need to do, but software will help them do it better, cheaper, faster. The software will do the things that humans are bad at, the operational intensity, intensive work, the recall, all that stuff, and let humans do the empathy, the parts yeah. that mm-hmm. we need. And, and increasingly we're finding like a medical need for, not just a, a feel good. Yeah, I like that Alexis said that Papa's robot proof, which yeah. means a lot coming from him. So I yeah, because I love robots. Maybe in like a hundred years from now, we'll have Papa Pop robots, and sometimes we do wish they were robots. <laughs> I'm not there yet. And 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 that is that is a special at a time when we're hearing about so much automation. And and I look, you know, I worked a waiter job through high school and a little bit of college that probably will not exist for my daughter because of automation, because it's going to be a tablet 
And instead of 10 servers, there'll be one, right? But what does the affable high school college kid do? And here is an opportunity now where a college kid that would have otherwise been coming home smelling like pizza every night, like I did, and relying on tips can actually have a great job that is providing real money, but also a deep satisfaction and sense of purpose like that. That actually feels to me like a good trade. Like, yeah, yeah I would add that. That is a much better way to be spending that time than serving deep dish pizzas. Yeah. And building the resumes are going to be nurses and doctors and taking care of us in the future. And, you know, when we look at Florida and the tech landscape, you know, we're always trying to build the tech ecosystem here in Florida. From your standpoint, Alexis, mm-hmm. what do we need to do? What, what are we missing here in Florida? What do we need? All comes down to talent. It all comes down to capital. Yeah. We're working on both of those. Talent's portable, arguably, but just I'd be interested in your perspective and your perspective, Andrew, on recruiting talent. Have you had any issues recruiting the people you need? Yeah, we actually have all of our engineers in Florida except for one. Uh, we shifted from not sourced to fully in-sourced. They're actually in the office right down the street or awesome. down the hall. Love it. Uh, so we've been able to find good talent and for you know a lower price than you would otherwise find. And the competition is different. But I think what I would say is getting other companies like Papa here because what happens if their job at Papa doesn't work out? Where do they go? You might mm-hmm. you might appreciate this. So my nephew moved. He's thirty. He moved from San Francisco to Fort Lauderdale to work for Magically. Nice. We'll keep driving it forward. The sun and the, the tax benefits and the cost of living, I think we could. There is something here, and I just I want to see the story. I, I really believe so much in storytelling, and I think there's not yet been a story told about Florida Tech. And I, you named some amazing billion-dollar companies, right? They're massive business successes, but the story I'm looking for is one that captures a lot of people's imagination and attention and delivers on a really great software-driven process mm-hmm. that really feels like a tech startup, which I know you, you named some great tech startups, and I'm not diminishing what they're saying but sure. like or what they've built, but that feels like that, and obviously we hope, we hope it's popular. Yeah. But regardless, once that narrative is built and that perception is changed, that like Miami is not just a town to party in or just a town for like so many other industries that are not tech, mm-hmm. um, that that makes the difference. And 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 the only way to really tell that story well is to do it and to support the founders and CEOs who are here building it. And then once y'all do it, the rest I really think will take care of itself. We'll do our best. Guys, no, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> I love pressure. Guys, thanks so much. This has been awesome. I know our, our listening audience is really going to enjoy this. And Alexis, and thanks, guys. Thank really you. appreciate it. Thanks Thank very you. much. Thank you, sir. Absolute pleasure.